Hello, everyone, and welcome to the good, the bad, the ugly, the aviation maintenance industry. Maintenance industry. <laughs> you try saying it that fast is a tongue twister. I am your host, Brian Wheels, and welcome to the second Aircraft Tech Talk segment, where you write in with your aircraft tech questions, and I give you aircraft tech answers coming up. Hey there, everyone, and welcome to the good, the bad, the ugly, the aviation maintenance industry. You try saying aviation maintenance industry three times fast, it is a tongue twister. So welcome to the second Aircraft Tech Talk segment. Again, I'm your host, Brian Wheels, and in these segments, I answer your Aircraft Tech Talk questions with Tech Talk answers. And we talk about mechanical problems often found on aircraft. The first one that aired on August 11th has been extremely popular and to this date still is. And I'm really glad that everyone's enjoying it, so we're doing it again. But before we dive into it, let me go over my usual disclaimer for this type of podcast. Any information in this podcast is to be used as information only and shall not be used for any maintenance actions on any aircraft. Always consult the technical publications and the relevant aircraft maintenance information. Everyone got that? Everyone understand? All right, cool. Let's get right to it. This first Aircraft Tech Talk email comes from Bruce in Seattle, and Bruce writes, Hey Brian, I work in Seattle, and we have a 737-800 where the non-routine said, Bleed valve does not close when the bleed switches are off. The engine is the bleed source. The FIM is very vague. Any thoughts? Hey Bruce, so hopefully you got this figured out by now, and I assume that that non-routine you're working off of was written based on the duct pressure gauge in the flight deck not showing a decrease in pressure with those switches off, which you should. Now, with the engines being the main bleed source with those switches off, you should see on the pressure gauge, pressure showing well below 10 PSI. It should be dropping well below that. And if it's not, the first thing you might want to check is circuit breakers Alpha 7 and Bravo 7. Those are the circuit breakers that power the solenoid on the bleed regulator for both engines, and they might be tripped. You never know. But on a few occasions, I have actually found that the engine or the pylon wiring harness had an internal short. And come to find out, there is a service bulletin on the NGs for that exact same thing. So you might want to take a look at that. Now, you might also have a failed PRSOV that's stuck in the open position. Those two fail sometimes. And as always, consult the FIM and the applicable tech pubs. You should find your exact issue in B737-800-32. I'm sorry, 36-10 FIM. I don't know why I said 32. 36-10 FIM. All right. This next email comes from Charlie in Louisiana. And Charlie writes, just an FYI, we had a Dash 8 200 with a repeat write-up of an engine fuel pressure caution light illuminating. Have you ever worked Dash 8s? We found an ejector boost pump on this plane was not working. It's a pain to get to, a pain to R&R, but that fixed the problem. All right, Charlie, thank you so much for writing in. Yeah, I actually did work on Dash 8s very early, early, early on in my career, but I have not touched one since, and I don't remember ever having an issue like that, but it's been many, many, many years. But we have a lot of Dash 8 mechanics that do listen to this podcast, and I'm certain that they're going to appreciate that little tidbit of information, as do I. So thank you, Charlie, for writing in. I do appreciate it. And this next email, it comes from Michael in Florida. And Michael writes, Wheels, I work at Bleep. And he actually spelled out bleep in Florida. <laughs> and we have an MD-80 with a constant CSD leak. It won't go away. What's the deal? Hey, Michael, thanks so much for putting bleep in there. 
because that saves me the time of having to edit it and put in a bleep myself. <laughs> I don't know what was so funny about it, but I just thought it was, it was cool that you did that. Anyways, I haven't wrenched on MD-80s, unfortunately, Michael, for many years, but I do recall the CSD leak limit being between one to three drops per minute. Now, with the engines running at idle, you might want to look at the seals and the line connections and see if the CSD might be leaking somewhere. Uh, besides that, I would refer you to your tech pubs because nothing off the top of my head really rings out again. It's been a long time since I worked on an MD-80, uh, but yeah. If that doesn't do it, certainly there's going to be a leak test for the CSD and the AMM. So thanks for writing in, Michael. I do appreciate that. And this next Aircraft Tech Talk email comes from Travis in Denver. And Travis writes, Hey man, I had a 175 come in the other day with an APU fire detector loop not testing correctly. MOCC said that it could not be deferred. I don't understand why. I think that's ridiculous and I'm pretty sure he was wrong. What do you think? All right. Travis, thank you so much for writing in. How's it going? I do know for a fact that on the Embraer 175, the APU and fire detection uh, overheat loops, they are MELable. And I did confirm that in the master MEL, and you can find it in 2612-0. Now, there's no maze procedures required, but obviously the APU, once you MEL, it cannot be used. So you're going to have to make sure, or actually your maintenance control is going to have to work with your planning folks to make sure that each destination that the aircraft goes to has an external power cart and a hoffer cart available. That's not really your job as a mechanic. Now, as far as your maintenance controller being wrong, you could have a policy at your company like many do that if an item is MEL too many times within a certain period of time, that you have to down the aircraft and you have to fix the problem once and for all. And that's pretty common where, you know, you only get by MEL in the same item X amount of times until it's like, okay, now we got to find out what's going on with the aircraft. And you go ahead and you down it and you fix the problem. So maybe that's what's going on with you. And I would suggest maybe calling back that maintenance controller, talking to them, or talking to your maintenance lead or your maintenance supervisor, and just making sure that you understand your policy. So, so yeah, that's a very good email, Travis. I do appreciate that. All right. So this next one comes from Christopher in Wisconsin. And Christopher writes, Brian Wheels, what causes the green hydraulic fault light on an A320? to flash on the overhead panel, but no ECAM message. Thanks. That's very cool. Thank you for the message, Chris. And I actually do recall having a very similar issue about four or five years ago on an A320. I believe it was uh, a JetBlue A320 that we were doing contract maintenance on. But anyways, in our case, it turned out to be the engine oil pressure switch on the number one engine, if I recall. And I know that sounds weird to most people, especially us Boeing mechanics. Why would an oil pressure switch cause that? Well, on the Airbus, particularly the A320, the aircraft uses a signal from the oil pressure switch to tell other aircraft systems that the engine is running. And in our case, the PTU was armed, but it was not running since the engine-driven hydraulic pumps, they were running just fine. And hence, you get that fault light because what's going on in the mind of that aircraft is, so the engine oil pressure switch goes bad and it faults, and it sends a signal to the PTU to arm itself. Well, the aircraft sees this and it looks at the engine-driven hydraulic pumps and it's saying, okay, they're running just fine. What's going on? But why is the, a I'm sorry, why is the PTU armed? So the aircraft kind of freaks itself out and it just flashes that uh, overhead panel, but you don't get an ECAM message. And I know that's really, that's really stupid. And our issue, we actually had to reach out to Airbus Engineering to help uh, have them help us out. So 
that's uh, that's kind of what happened with us. And I'm, I'm really wondering if that's what happened with you. So if you listen to this, Christopher, please write me back and let me know if that was your guys' problem as well. Anyways, always refer to your tech pubs, your associated maintenance manual, and feel free to reach out to Airbus. Thank you so much, Chris. That was a good email. And this next email comes from, it's actually a, a Twitter message, not an email, from Jason in Alabama. And Jason writes, Hey, Wheels, I'm a contract maintenance provider in Mobile. I got this 737NG with a write-up that the number one transfer bus off-light came on. It took us a while, and we figured it out. Cool podcast. All right, Jason, thanks for the shout-out, and uh, thank you for the kudos. You didn't say what your corrective action was, but I've seen this before on the NG several times. Now, this issue usually creeps up about 5-10 minutes before pushback after the APU has been started, or it's noticed when the crew is doing their pre-flight checks. And this applies to the 600, the 700, the 800, and the 900. And you could have a GCU failure. You could have a bus tie breaker. Those are the two big issues that come to mind right away. A bus tie breaker fault with GCU number one. That occurs when the GCU detects that the bus tie breaker is not in the correct position. And this should be associated, though, with a BTB fault ECAST message. But, Jason, you did not say if you had that same message. While on external power, both transfer bus off lights, they should be off. Now, if you set ground power to off, if both transfer bus off lights, if they go off and they come back on and you do not have a maintenance message, that's just an intermittent fault and that does occur on the NGs particularly. Now, if you're still having issues, what I would do is first I would replace BTB number one. If that doesn't solve it, replace GCU number one. Those are the first two things that come to mind uh, that I've seen happen or go bad in the past. And you can refer to FIM 24-21 and the applicable maintenance documentation for troubleshooting and repair on that. That was a very good one, Jason. Thanks for writing in. Do appreciate it. And this last one comes from Don in Illinois. And Don writes, Hey, Brian Wheels, I was traveling on a 777 the other month, and I was just wondering how many hydraulic systems are on the aircraft This is such a big plane. How many pumps are needed on this plane? That's a great question, Don. So in short, on the 777, there's three hydraulic systems that power the flight controls, the landing gear, the main gear brakes, the main landing gear and nose landing gear steering, the flaps, slats, and the thrust reversers. The three hydraulic systems, they are named left, right, and center. In addition, you have a RAT. That stands for Ram Air Turbine, and that's your emergency source of electrical and hydraulic power for the aircraft. Each of those big engines that has its own engine-driven hydraulic pump. And above each of those engines in the strut, there's an electric hydraulic pump. The center system, that consists of two electric pumps and two air-driven pumps. Now's a really good one, Don. Thanks for writing in. All right, folks, are you ready for the Tech Talk discrepancy quiz? Where I dive into my logbook archive and I tell you about a discrepancy that I had on the line. And then you, the listener, you write in to me. And you tell me what your corrective action would have been for that discrepancy. And if you're the first one with the right answer, I'm going to send you out some good, the bad, the ugly swag. First, let me answer the previous aircraft tech talk quiz before we get to this one. All right. The question was ramp reports number one forward lower belly cargo door will not open. And one listener from the last aircraft tech talk, he wrote in and he answered it correctly. And that was Scott M from Kansas City. And Scott wrote, I would cycle the service bus and make sure the damn door opens. Scott, thank you so much for being the first one that answered correctly. Uh, That's what I did. I cycled the ground service bus in accordance with blah, blah, blah. I cycled the lower forward cargo door. 
Ops check good. No issues were found. Congratulations once again, Scott M., on being the first winner of the Aircraft Tech Talk discrepancy quiz. And I did send you some of the good, the bad, the ugly swag. And you wrote me back and say you got everything and you're happy. So I'm glad you're enjoying it. Thanks again, Scott. Now on to the discrepancy quiz for this Aircraft Tech Talk segment. On a Boeing 767, I received a gate call for a fueling light failing to illuminate with the fueling valve selected open. What would your maintenance action be? Write in via email, Twitter, or message me on the main podcast page and let me know. Then on the next Aircraft Tech Talk I do, I'm going to answer the question of this one. And if anyone wrote in with the correct answer, I'm going to read it here live on the podcast and I'm going to send you a bunch of swag. So everyone, thank you so much for those who tuned in and those who wrote me. I really, really appreciate that. And if you have any questions, thoughts, concerns, or if you just want to share your stories and your experiences live on the podcast, feel free to reach out to me, apmechanicpodcast at aol.com, or find me on Twitter at goodbadugly underscore AMP. You can also find me on Facebook, goodbaduglyap, one word. And remember, new podcast, second Wednesday of each month. The podcast merchandise store is up. Check it out. Link is in the description. And until next time, everyone, take care and be safe. We'll see you.